for tuning in to the Morning Relay. This is RotoFanatic.com's daily breakdown of the fantasy baseball realm. It's a pleasure to have you aboard. I got two excellent dudes along for the ride today. Not me. I'm not one of the two excellent dudes. There's three of us. Oh, I disagree. I totally disagree. I also disagree. You guys are so sweet. Well, they call me Michael Govier. I'm the host. And uh, today we have two excellent analysts. Carm's Clubhouse, the one and only Carm Mayorano in the house. What is up, Carm? Thanks for doing the show. Yeah, of course. Happy to be on. I think it's just going to be pretty difficult for me to uh, distinguish between the two mics tonight. I've never had to do that before. So that's a test. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm much older and I have a much larger head than Mike Ovier. So it should be, <laughs> should be pretty easy for you. I can also just call you the doctor. Mm. That's right. Mr. Oh doctor in the house. That's so Mike great. Carter, the voice you're hearing of. Made his debut last night and he's back for more tonight. For the Tuesday episode, Mike, we have a trade deadline show to talk about. What's going on with you besides that? Well, you know, just trying to keep it real at school, keep everybody safe and getting them in and out the door safely and coaching some uh, Batavia youth baseball tonight, coaching the uh, Batavia Mets into the cellar. Um, yeah, 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 they're 10. You know, they're learning as they go, and uh, they've got a poor coach. So that's uh, that's a huge part of the issue that they have. <laughs> Well, it's great to have you aboard, Mr. Carter. Doctor, I'm, Mr. Mr. Doctor, thank you very much for joining us. Glad, glad to I'm be sure back. Those Batavia Mets will turn around. There's still plenty of time left. There uh, is. But this is the Road of Fanatics Morning Relay. Go to rotofanatic.com. Check out what we got going on. Uh, we had starting pitcher barometer released by Nathan Dockin. That is now available uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, which will be when you're listening to this show, is the release of a weekly GPS report from our very own Paul Mamino. He's our data and visualizations expert. He's a fantastic data manipulator. He knows how to see what's going on and take the best out of it. And he created his own stuff ERA. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go back in the archives on the website and learn about it and then get the latest on his rankings. And I find his rankings for starting pitching to be very useful. And in fact, if you're looking for multiple people to compare, you could take Nathan Dawkins' rankings to compare him with Paul Mamino's rankings. They're both on our website, and they'll both help you in this mess of a short season that we're involved in. And of course, go to rotofanatic.com for all that, and follow us on Twitter at roto underscore fanatic. Okay, enough of the business. Gentlemen, trade deadline is officially over. It's great news. We can move on from that. It was a wild trade deadline, a lot more action than maybe some people were thinking. It would, you know, there was a lot of people saying, "Eh, you know, I don't expect much this year because the the owners are going to try to save. A lot of money has been burned away, supposedly. Even though these owners are always worth billions of dollars, they literally have a billion dollar asset under them. So that's another story. We don't need to go down that road. But Carm. One of the big trades of the day was the Clevenger trade. So Clevenger is leaving Cleveland. His teammates are devastated. It's very sad. <laughs> and he's he's off to San Diego. And the big MLB pieces are Austin Hedges, the catcher, uh, Josh Naylor, first baseman, DH. And then uh, what's the oh, Cal God, Quantrill, sorry. right? Cal Quantrill. Yes, thank you. Cal Quantrill yep. is what I want to get your opinion on, because I feel like Cal Quantrill has decent stuff. But in the hands of Cleveland, he could be turned into something even more like a Savale or a police act. There's there's a lot of potential there. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, the Indians have the best organization when it comes to developing pitching, as you mentioned, not even to mention like Bauer, Carrasco, Kluber, obviously all those amazing pitchers they've had over the last couple of years. And Quantrill could be the next guy up. Um, it's kind of hard to say exactly what exactly how he'll be able to de- de- uh, develop with just one month left in the season. 
could be interesting if he doesn't do so hot this month and then he kind of falls down draft boards even further than he initially would in 2021 and he could he could be the next Savale like you said mm-hmm. next year interesting yeah I, I would love to see him get that opportunity get a turn in the rotation maybe they use him as a reliever I don't know they got so many pitchers to work with mm-hmm. uh, Mike what is the best part of this trade for San Diego and Cleveland Austin Hedges is actually a He's a terrible framer. He's not a very good defensive catcher, but he provides pop in a team that is desperate for offense. What do you like most for this deal for Cleveland or San Diego? Well, I think I think Cleveland uh, is really hoping that they can plug a couple of these guys in right away. I mean, um, Hedges and Perez behind the plate is going to be a pretty good combo for them. I mean, Hedges is not a great framer, but he's terrific defensively. Uh, Naylor, I think they're hoping that they can use him in left field. I mean, they've kind of got a log jam at first base and DH right now. Um, Naylor's really never had a great opportunity. He's only about a 250 career hitter. It feels like San Diego to me sometimes kind of yanks these guys around a little bit and and don't give them really good chances. And and I like that with Quantrill too. I mean, I, I feel like he's never had a real defined role for them. And I think Cleveland will figure it out, like you guys said very eloquently, that you know Cleveland is a place where pitchers go to become really good. And I I think he's got some ability there to be able to either be a multi inning relief weapon for them or in the rotation. And to me, he's more interesting in the rotation. But I think the key for Cleveland is is the shortstop prospect that they got, Arias. I mean, uh, great glove guy. Um, he's he hit 302 last year for them in Triple A uh, in San Diego or Double A. I'm sorry, in San Diego. And, um, you know, I think they're looking at him as potentially the heir apparent to Lindor, which I think it's insane that they don't sign Lindor right now to give him what he wants. I mean, he's one of the five best players in the game. Not going to happen. If they lose him, they, they, I think they're hoping that Arias can be that guy. So I, they got a lot of quantity in this. I'm not sure exactly what the quality is going to end up being for them. But, you know, the San Diego got a stud uh, for sure. As long as they can keep them out of the bars at midnight, <laughs> they, oh. that was a, that was a problem here in Chicago a couple of weeks ago for them. So, so yeah, to your point, Mike, I feel like if you guys have ever tried to construct like a last minute DFS lineup and you're just throwing darts out there, I feel like that's what happened in this Indians and um, uh, the Indians trade. I just feel like they just said, "Give me seven prospects. If one if one hits the lottery, that's fine with us." But the quantity over the quantity over quality, I feel like, just never really works out that well. Yeah, hmm. it, it seemed like they really wanted to get rid of him, didn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it seemed like they really wanted to make this move just to be done with the whole situation. Right. Yeah, that, there's no doubt about that. They had to move on from Clevenger. He caused a huge ruckus in the locker room. And Plesak's returning. He's going to be starting against the Royals now. So I guess they see him as more of the innocent kind of bystander and... Clevenger was like the uh, instigator in that whole situation. I, I don't know. Maybe Clevenger was annoying this whole time. I don't know. They well, call he, him Sunshine. He, Clevenger so. lied. I mean, he, right. You know, police said came pretty clean about it because he got caught. But I mean, Clevenger tried to get away with it. And so he well, lost the, the clubhouse, I, I would guess. Um, yeah. And there were several veterans in there that you guys probably know of as well. Won't say names that said that they weren't going to play if he was coming back. So, right. Right. Yeah. Please ask, you know, his apology video while driving lacked awareness, obviously, <laughs> but lying like Clevenger lying. I feel like that absolutely trumps what please did in yeah, terms of bet. being a teammate. Well, hey, San Diego stuck with them now and they've done such a retooling. So it's basically like a whole new roster. You got the Cora Tatis, you got Myers, you got Machado and you got Lamette. But all of these other dudes have just rolled into the shop now. They got Taylor Williams from Seattle as a mm-hmm. secondary deal late in the day. But the bigger other deal was the deal for Austin Nola. 
and Dan Acavila and Austin Adams and San Diego sent Taylor Trammell, who has bounced around as a prospect and he's really losing status as a, a once highly touted prospect. It's uh, it's not looking as good for Trammell as it once did, but he could get an opportunity to play. But to me, guys, I think the best part of that trade is Ty France going from San Diego where he doesn't get to play every day. And now he gets to go to the Mariners where they could just play him daily and let him swing that bat like he does. He's an excellent hitter. I really think this is a guy, if you're playing in redraft leagues and he's on the wire, I think you should go nab him right now. Karma, what do you think of Ty France, or is there anything else in that Nola Trammell trade that has got you saying, hmm, I kind of like what I'm seeing here? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to focus on Nola at the moment. Nola is going to slide in, likely a catcher, play every day. The nice thing is that the Padres um, – their home park is better for homers than um, Mariners park is. So that's a slight uptick for him for sure. So you have to like that. And you got to think that he won't bat near the top of the order, but he will have some counting stat upside just given the quality of players surrounding him in San Diego versus back in Seattle. So I really like that. Um, Taylor Trammell, it almost seems, I almost get this image of like Lewis Brinson, just like getting Mm -hmm. traded a couple times. He's maybe not the prospect everyone initially thought he would be so definitely he's definitely dropping down you know not that i have dynasty rankings but i'm not exactly targeting him in a dynasty right now um and ty france i mean i'm still not looking at him in like in like a 12 team league but in a 15 team league where you're struggling for some potential infield improvements i feel like that could be an option for you okay so you don't share my enthusiasm that's fine that's fine i understand i respectfully Respect your opinion, but I like Ty France. I'm telling you. And I with Dylan Moore out, and they got a bunch of middle infielders that are kind of middle of the road in Seattle. So I just think it's an opportunity for France to slide in and just go to town. He's not a great defender, but who cares? Seattle's going to lose anyways. One other thing, as we head over here to Mr. Carter, I want to ask him about Andres Munoz. Now, he's out for the year with TJ, but he was a part of this deal. Long-term dynasty implications here with Munoz when he, if he gets back to what he could have been because he was a very... Some saying coming into the season, he could have been taking over Kirby Yates' job as the closer. Mm-hmm. But now, obviously, he's he's not impacted this season. But in 2021 right. and beyond, this gives a nice little name thrown in there that I think provides real value for Seattle. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I I, um, I think that he's a he's definitely a closer in waiting if he come depending on how he bounces back from the surgery. And probably not 2021, but maybe in 2022. He's still a really young guy. He's got a really live arm. Uh, I, and and obviously Seattle has time to be able to work out some of these kinks. And that's why I like them getting Trammell. Uh, um, I think they have they have some prospects that they're they're lining up there. You know, they've got Lewis, they've got uh, uh, Kalinich coming as well. I mean, they got some guys and they can afford to kind of wait on that a little bit. I, and I feel like you're absolutely right in saying that his status has kind of dropped. But, um, you know, guys struggle. I mean, growth is never linear. And I yeah. think that's something that's really important to remember with guys that have those kind of tools. I mean, it, 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 you just never know when it might hit. You know, for every guy you get like Louis Robert, who looks like they hit the ground running when they're 22 years old, you get a guy like Trammell who might struggle for a little bit. Um, the tools are there. Um, whether he uses them or not, we don't know. Yeah, and the one thing I want to know from you, Mr. Doctor, is this. Who's the guy who closes now for Seattle? With Taylor Williams being traded, is it Hirano? Or what? I, you're you're I, a closing remarks guy. Every I, Sunday, you guys could read closing remarks by Mr. I think, Doctor right here. I think I think Carm's gonna close. <laughs> oh, really? I think I think your ten year old son might close, Mike. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> too they wild, want, too wild. Get, get Jack Carter throwing the Ephus pitch in the ninth inning, right? Um, 
You know, that's a really good question. I mean, I before the season started, I really thought Hirano would would be the guy that would take that job, but he's had some injury issues and McGill was there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think they probably come back around to Hirano just because it's a war of attrition there. I don't know that they really have anybody else to really fill the role. And quite honestly, with the way things are looking right now, I don't know how many opportunities anybody's going to get to close the ninth inning, you know? So um, it remains to kind of be seen, but I would, I would lean, I think Hirano on that one. What do you think, Carm? Yeah, Roster Resource has Irano as the closer right now, and they're typically pretty good on their depth charts, so I would mm-hmm. trust them. But nonetheless, that's not a situation I'm targeting. I'd rather target a reliever with higher upside and strikeouts um, you know, on a more contending team, potentially next guy up if a closer goes down. Agreed. Well, well what about this then, Carm? Archie Bradley was traded by the D-backs to the Reds. Yep. So now that spot opens up. Would you prefer that situation over the Seattle situation, or are both of those just a nightmare to you completely? I mean, I would. they're both not ideal, suboptimal, uh, but I would still prefer the Reds. That's Rad. a great word. <laughs> I love Sub-optimal. that word. Suboptimal. <laughs> I, I still would prefer the Reds, only because they're a much better team. And Bradley and Iglesias, they could both get saves here and there rather than banking on a suboptimal reliever and like Yoshi Urano in terms of K's at least to uh, try and get you, you know, those saves that might never come. Well, I think the name to watch in the Arizona now is Kevin Ginkle. This is a guy they really yes. like. He's got some nasty stuff and yeah. he could be the guy who slides into the closer role now, although he'll have to battle with Junior Guerra and Yon Lopez. But I think Ginkle's the guy. Who don't, don't, don't say Junior Guerra ever again, please. I'm sorry. I didn't oh, mean God, he's no, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. Are you okay? You want to take five? <laughs> no, I think I think Ginkle will be the guy too. Um, and they, you know, they traded Chafin to the Cubs too, so that took another option away from them. Not that he's necessarily a guy that would close, but could be in the competition. Um, I, I, I really wonder if with the Reds, if what they'll do now is deploy Iglesias differently. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, David Bell has talked repeatedly in the last couple of years of using him as a as a stop as a fireman. A stopper in middle inning. This really struggles in non-save situations historically, as you know, Carm. So I, yeah. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if they'll use him, deploy him a little bit differently because their bullpen. While you use really great, nice words like you know suboptimal, I just use words like shit. It's <laughs> bad, right. So Lorenzen has been bad. Um, a lot of oh, people yeah. took him as a handcuff. Yeah. Strobe was DFA'd. Right. You know, Lucas Sims has been a revelation and, and I, I have him in a couple of uh, in a reliever league that I'm in and he's been a godsend. But um, they really have had a hard time in Cincinnati. I wonder if they'll just, you know, use Bradley in the ninth and um, try to use Iglesias earlier in games. You know, they're, they're kind of hovering around that 500 mark, too, in that nasty National League Central um, and, and trying to get into the playoffs here, kind of limp in. And that Bradley's a nice pick for them and they got him for next year, too. So that really helps. Right, right. One quick thing I wanted to mention on Ginkle. Um, he is having a tough year. <laughs> He's got a 7.30 yeah. ERA. The Ks are nice, 10.22 Ks per nine, but He's got over six and a half walks per nine. I mean, that's not a guy I'm necessarily going to target right now. Like that's he's got the ability, but he is just not executing at the moment at all. I actually had him in a dynasty league and I caught him within I think 10 days just because he was getting lit up left and right. Oh, what about Hector Rondon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. This show's off the rails now. Right. I will say this at Ginkle. I probably look at him more as a 2021 and beyond guy. You're right. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Carm. Let's stick with Arizona, though. 
harm and talk about the fact that Starling Marte was traded to the Marlins and Caleb Smith is coming back. Now, I don't care about either of these two players. You can feel free to talk about them, Karm. What I'm more interested in now is the fact that Dalton Varsho could play every day in center field now that Starling Marte is gone. What do you think of that? And then go ahead and tell me about the Starling and Caleb benefits. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Varsho get that playing time. The Diamondbacks are such a weird team where they they trade off trade off such useful assets, but then they get mm-hmm. guys back who are actually like, wait, oh, they're kind of still in contention. They they could make a potential run, and this is a great opportunity for Varsho to show that he can play in center as well as you know move around the diamond like we were hoping for when he was brought up like a month ago. Um, this could like like you said, Mike, this could be a great showcase for him. Um, yeah, in terms of very athletic, very athletic. And people yeah. don't know that Marshall could play all over the field. He played center field yeah. in the minors. He steals a lot of bases. He's barely a catcher. Right, just, right. In terms of being like a slow plotting old man, he's not that. So. Right. I mean, ideally, he plays the minimum behind the plate and you get that catcher eligibility and you just slot him wherever you need to next year. That would be perfect. But as far as Marte and Caleb Smith, I mean, Caleb Smith is we haven't seen him much this year because of COVID. Yeah, so I mean, that is obviously that is so uncertain. Caleb Smith did show some great ability last year before he uh, had a hip injury and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth in the second half. Um, I feel like the Diamondbacks are pretty good at developing pitching. They're Mm -hmm. certainly doing decent things with Zach Allen. So I I could see Caleb Smith being a decent like 2021 target late in the later rounds of drafts. Ooh, Yeah, I think the Diamondbacks really have a history of grabbing these types of pitchers that have um, multiple seasons of control, right? So I think, you know, moving Marte, you know, obviously the best hitter that moved today, they got somebody back in Caleb Smith that they can control for a couple of years. Who's a high strikeout kind of guy, high volume, um, lefty to, you know, step in and it probably be better than Robbie Ray. Right. I mean, (laughs) he put, I mean, Robbie Ray stuff is amazing, but he walks everybody. And, um, you know, it might be, it might be a nice fit for them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you just brought up what was on my mind, Mr. Doctor. By the oh, way, you listen scary. to the, It is, I know. That's that's pretty creepy. This is the morning relay, rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown of the fantasy realm. We are knee-deep in trade deadline talk. It's so much fun. I have a feeling this show is going to go over the usual time because it's just, <laughs> oh, we could do this for hours. We really could. But I want to discuss the Blue Jays. You brought up Robbie Ray, who is officially a Blue Jay now. He's out of Arizona, and he gets to go to the AL East. What a great place to pitch. That's so much fun. Yankee Stadium, Mm -hmm. Camden Yards. Perfect for Robbie Ray. That's all dripping with sarcasm. But they got Robbie (laughs) Ray, and they also got Ross Stripling from the Dodgers. And they got Jonathan VR from the Marlins. So this is a huge haul for a team that is really buying in now. I mean, what do we make of all these moves, Carm? I... I think the VR move is going to be great. He's going to score a lot of runs with the bats they have in that lineup. So obviously all these deadline moves by the Blue Jays are great for them, but I want to focus on the joke of the day by our own Nathan Dawkin. Uh, (laughs) On Twitter, he said um, the Blue Jays called Robbie Ray and he said, which flight would you uh, do you want to take over here? And he said, no, thanks. I prefer to walk. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that today too. That's hilarious. I, I, I died laughing when I saw that. That was Hysterical. Pick a man while he's down, man. Seriously. Um, <laughs> but getting back to the fantasy impact, I mean, I don't want any part of Ray. Unfortunately, I do have him in a best ball league. And now that he's traded to the Blue Jays, I feel like it's even worse. So not ideal. 
Um, Jonathan VR, he'll probably bat in the bottom third of the lineup. At least that's what roster resource has. So that definitely mitigates his runs. Um, but other than that, I mean, I feel like you're getting the same type of player there. And then Stripling moving there does concern me just because the Dodgers are so freaking good at developing pitching and making their pitching better. Whereas the Blue Jays don't have that track record. It might be helpful that teammate, um, were you there, but I feel like that's also, you know, a, a negative for him. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Doctor, what do you think of that? I mean, Ross Stripling started to struggle. He came out hot in the season, but then the reality set in and his last few starts made him uh, expendable out of the rotation. Tony Gonsolin now definitely seems to be solidified in L.A., by the way. I think Tony Gonsolin is a guy you could rely on rest of 2020, which is only another 27 days, by the way. That is crazy. It's September 1st. But <laughs> uh, any positivity here for the Blue Jays? Or is there more opportunity for the Marlins as well? Because... Uh, Mr. Diaz, who had originally decided to sit out for the Marlins, yeah, he's uh, back. Isan Diaz is back. Who's so back, now, back, back. Yeah, back. Very good, Carm. Nice <laughs> reference. <laughs> so Isan Diaz could be somebody that benefits from this situation. What do you think of any of that, Mike? Well, I think the Toronto thing is really interesting because I, I, it's it, to me, it felt like kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what was going to stick. You know. Um, VR will take Bichette's spot for a while, and that's fine. Um, and then if Bichette comes back, they can move Valar around and, and use him that way. I like Stripling more than I like Ray, but that's not exactly a ringing endorsement either, just based on what you guys have said. Um, yeah. The Dodgers just keep developing these guys. I mean, it's unbelievable. They just got they just have arm after arm after arm. It feels like um, the big. I think the big news for Toronto, though, um, going back to the bullpen situation, is Ken Giles is going to throw tomorrow. Um, he's going to throw some live BP tomorrow and see how his, his arm is feeling. They lost Jordan Romano last weekend. He, he hurt his middle finger, uh, of all things. And, um, um, and he's out for at least 10 days. And so they really need that influx of those guys coming back. If they get those two guys back, I think it's better than having Ray or Stripling, you know, in their rotation. I mean, their bullpen, they really need that bullpen help because they've been really crappy. I mean, they're running Anthony Bass out there as a closer right now, which is not <laughs> ideal. Suboptimal. There it's it suboptimal. is. There it hey! is, Doctor. I think we should change the name of the show to Suboptimal. <laughs> Rotofanatic.com, Suboptimal, daily breakdown. No. <laughs> and, Carm, we didn't have you on last night. We talked trade deadline a little bit with yep. Mr. Doctor and Nathan Dockin. And that episode's available, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to it. But I want to get your quick take on the Cubs' moves. So they got Jose Martinez. He's along for the ride now from the Rays. And they got Cameron Mabin today for my own Detroit Tigers, which, you know, good riddance. Cameron Mabin, maybe he'll actually provide you like some speed and a, a pinch hitter defensive kind of replacement role. But what do you so, think of those moves for the Cubs? I honestly, I love Cameron Mabin. He had 11 homers and nine steals with the Yankees last year in only 82 games. Stole 33 bags in 2017, which feels like forever ago. But he clearly has some speed. The only issue is that he's injured all the time. So obviously, obviously with the Cubs, he wasn't going to play any day to begin with. But that's a nice pickup in real life. Not much fantasy impact there, unfortunately. Um, Jose Martinez, we all know that he crushes lefties, but he struggled so far this year trying to do that. Uh, again, he's more of a platoon, I think. The main positive impact here for all Cubs fans is that we can finally raise a glass to Albert Albert or Almora being optioned to, to the alternate <laughs> site. Thank you. <laughs> and Mike, uh, your team, the White Sox. By the way, if you guys aren't aware, these two guys are Chicago boys. Mike, the White Sox didn't really do anything, but I think that's fine. They like what they got. They're just going to grow. And you know, 
I, uh, I, I'll, I'll admit, I mean, I was on my way to pick up Jack from school after school today, and I was refreshing trade rumors like every 30 seconds. I'm like, give me Lance Lynn. Give me Lance Lynn. Give me Lance Lynn. Didn't happen. Well, they didn't trade Lance Lynn at all, and they didn't, trade Joey, they didn't trade Joey Gallo at all. Um, yeah. So I, I think what happened with the White Sox is that, you know, people were asking ridiculous things. I mean, the, the, the Rangers supposedly asked for Kopech. No. The Indians supposedly said, "Yeah, we'll talk why to you not? about Clevenger with I mean, Ro- Louis why Robert." Why Kopech though, Mike? I mean, Kopech. I would. Yeah. they have enough guys. I feel like I, has Kopech this stud now. I'm kind of concerned about Kopech's future, Miley. I wouldn't think he's untouchable. I don't think he's untouchable either. But I think that the feeling is that you know he's he's a front line type of starter if he can get his. I mean, just being honest, I mean, it's not the arm issue. It's the, it's yeah. the, the, you know, mental, mental health, health issues right. that he's having, um, which I, I sympathize with as I work as a, you know, a, a therapeutic day school principal with kids who have mental health issues all the time. Right. So yeah. um, it's nothing to, it's nothing to joke about and we're not going to do that. But, it, but the thing is, is that if he gets that right, I mean, if you add him into that high octane Giolito, uh, Keichel and, you know, cease, if he comes around, uh, I like Dunning better than Cease now. I know D- Dunning pitched really well yesterday, which we talked about last night. Yeah. But um, you know, I think that their thought process is they don't want to add, they don't want to take something away from one of their top uh, roster guys that and, and and make a move where they might regret it. Although Lynn was affordable, he's only owed eight million dollars next year. I think he would have been a great guy to slot in, you know, right after Keuchel, um, Giolito, Keuchel, and then him. I mean, you you, you know. But, you know, we can dream, and that's what you do when you're a baseball fan. And you know, I think that the Sox are for real. I, I, I They can hit. I, the pitching is going to be their downfall, um, unfortunately. I, I would have loved to see the White Sox go after Clevenger, maybe swap Kopech, see, the, see Kopech with the Indians. That would mm-hmm. be insane. That would work out for both sides. Obviously, it didn't happen, but that would have been fun. Yeah. I think the Sox, the Sox thought now is you know they're gonna they're gonna buy pitching. I think I think they're kind of following the Cub uh, mantra from the the mid teens here. Of uh, you know we got some really good. Uh, I shouldn't say we. Sorry, they have some really good hitters there, obviously, and they're gonna need. They still need an arm or two, and I and I think that maybe the internal feeling was that there's still more than one guy away, which is maybe why they didn't break the bank to try to get Lynn or Clevenger. I mean they they do need some bullpen help. Um, the right field is a bit of a black hole right now for them. So I, you know, maybe there's still more than one guy away. Right. Yeah, we will see. And you know, one other move that needs to be mentioned, Mike Miner was moved from the Rangers. It wasn't Lance Lynn, but Mike Miner moved to the A's. That's a great little move that the A's always do at the deadline. I'm sure, I'm sure Billy Bean promised to, you know, buy soda, get someone to buy soda for him or, you know, whatever the hell he does when he does his money ball trades, he's going to sell them next year for twice the value. You know, that's what Billy Bean does. So that's a nice, smart move. And I expect Mike Miner, like Homer Bailey did last year when he was traded to Oakland at the deadline. I think there'll be a nice little bump because Miner actually, he needs to get better anyways. He has not been great. So this is the morning relay. Roto Fanatics daily breakdown of the fantasy baseball realm. It is that was a lot of trade deadline talk, and I think it was well worth it because there's going to be a lot of fantasy fallout from all of that. But let's quickly dive into what's happening Monday. So Garrett Cole struggled a bit again, and Garrett Cole, you know, he was supposed to be the guy rivaling Jacob Degrom, Carm, as the starting pitcher one A. You know, it was, they were neck and neck, and Garrett Cole went before Degrom in many drafts, and people were saying he's on the Yankees now, he's going to get tons of wins, and he's going to keep doing everything he did. But that is not been the case right now he's got an era around four and he's giving up a buttload of home runs 
What's the quick analysis here on Cole going forward? I mean, you're going to start him every time out just because he's Garrett Cole, but you're obviously concerned that he's not going to return the value you drafted him at. Uh, the obvious comparison here is when Sonny Gray went to the Yankees as we talked off air. I mean, this it's really concerning going forward for him, but you're starting him no matter what, every time out. Um, he did have his changeup going for him, over 50% CSW tonight, but he didn't throw it that much. So yeah. maybe the, maybe the answer is that he needs to throw that more, get off the four-seamer a little bit, because people are sitting on that four-seamer, and it's, it's going far distances. Ten hard-hit balls tonight. <laughs> yeah, wow. Karma's, Karma's totally right. I mean, he's given up ten home runs this year so far in eight starts. And the, the four-seamer is getting shellacked uh, by him. The changeup, you know, last year he threw it about seven, you know, about 7.5% of the time. Um, and this year he's only throwing it about 4%. And he's throwing it a lot a, a lot slower. He's about a mile and a half slower on the, on the changeup this year than he was last year with much less spin. And so mm-hmm. – uh, there's a, there's some something's going on there. I don't know what it is, but uh, he's not he's not been himself. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a real tragedy. Hopefully, he turns it around. I'm rooting for you, Garrett Cole. Although I don't usually you I don't root for Yankees very often, but you know I like to see a guy do well. He seems like a, a decent human being. On the flip side of that in that matchup, Tyler Glass now was outstanding. Six innings, two hits, one walk, nine Ks. That is he's a stellar legit. line. Yeah, he has completely turned around his season. Both pitchers seem to be going in opposite directions but the guy who deserves the most kudos of the day is marco gonzalez marco gonzalez he threw nine innings and he got the victory against the los angeles angel los angeles anaheim california united states angels whatever the mike the hell trouts now. i think the mike trouts okay yeah oh the mike trout and nothing else but anyway they're wasting that guy oh, my oh boy God. let's not even go that's unbelievable Marco Gonzalez, nine innings, four hits, one earned, one walk, eight Ks. He only gave up one home run. That was pretty much the only damage. Carm, Marco Gonzalez is pitching really good. He's got a nice ERA overall, and he's he's not giving up a ton of hard contact. What do you think of what you're seeing here? He, as he showed flashes last year. He kind of tailed off in the second half last season. Yeah, I was higher on him, I think, than most in the industry in a normal 162-game season just because he pitches a ton of innings, mm-hmm. has decent ratios, and with that, when you pitch a lot of innings and, and your K rate is lower than you'd like it to be when you draft someone, he's, he makes up for it in total Ks with the amount of innings he pitches. Um, what I saw today was really interesting, though. I looked at his game chart. His sinker looked like very middle, very middle, middle the entire night. Mm-hmm. And he's real. He's using a sinker and a cutter about 80% of the time. And I assume that the tunneling that's going along with that is what's keeping hitters off balance. But obviously, like if you think Marco Gonzalez is like this new transformative pitcher and he's going to cure COVID-19, like that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> wow. That, that would be incredible. I, I don't expect that. Well, you wrote in the notes that he's a god. So I. Oh, I, oh, right. Yeah, that's true. I did say that. So, yeah, you probably will. He's a Norse god. The Norse god of incredible pitching i mean you go nine innings in a game today it's it's worth noting so i don't care who you are i don't well, think he, he had a really i mean i, I think he's kind of underrated i mean i know a lot of guys that look at stuff you know pure stuff don't like him all that much but you know he uh he's got 39 strikeouts in 43 innings right now and and that you can work with that he doesn't throw anything harder than 88 miles an hour and as Carm said he's throwing that sinker and that cutter uh, almost 80 percent of the time which is up from last year um, yeah. about about five percentage points from where he was. So, you know, he's getting results and and he's winning games as you point out. So, and with that team, that's 
kind of miraculous when you think about it. Um, He's kind of a Max Freed light, you know? That's kind of how I see him right now, in a sense. But guys don't really hit the ball very hard off of him, right, Carm? I mean, it, it, no, it seems like don't. the exit velocity on his stuff seems like it's been uh, really good this year. Yeah, I mean, I really think it's just how he plays the cutter off the sinker. And I'm sure that's hard for hitters to, you know, to really track. Oh, man, we are running out of time here. Uh, real quickly, Dakota Hudson pitched a really nice outing, and uh, he's continually continually dismissed a guy that doesn't seem to <laughs> do anything flashy. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts necessarily on the regular, but against Cincinnati in great American ballpark, which I think is worth mentioning you know, seven innings. He struck out seven mm-hmm. and only gave up one earned run. That's that's great. He only gave up four hits too. no walks. Dakota Hudson real quick. Carm, is this, is this somebody who's developing before our eyes and we're not really paying attention to it? Cause he's not flashy. I talked a little bit about him on Twitter Last week, his curveball usage is way up and it's garnering a ton of whiffs. I think it's actually over a 40% whiff right now. And that that's awesome. And he's really relying on that. He's really pinpointing his sinker away to lefties. Curveballs are down. And he, overall, he, he seems like he has a renewed game plan and he's pitching with a purpose, which is, you know, what we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are really pretty staggering. Karm's, I think Karm's completely right on that. I mean, sinker percentage last year was almost 50. It's down to 31% this year. And the curveball percentage is up from 10% to 24%. That's a huge difference. And he's getting a lot of whiffs on that. To Karm's point, 0. 0.063 batting average on his curveball this year. So, I mean, it's working for him. Um, you know, the, 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 the whip gods didn't care for him last year, right? So he's actually made some strides this year. Maybe he is developing into something that's better. Um, you got to think that having Adam Wainwright around to throw you an Uncle Charlie every once in a while probably helps you. Right, yeah. right. And, and one more quick thing is obviously when he's using the sinker less, that results in less ground balls. So typically that's a lower BABIP, which is nice for us. It might result Ooh. in a couple more homers, but he's not, you know, the most homer prone guy. So I think, think it might work out. He's only 25 years old. I think in Dynasty, I think he needs to be taken much more seriously if he's not being taken seriously already in Dynasty. Because mm-hmm. this is somebody who's developing, and you're right, having Wainwright like over your shoulder saying, hey, try this, try that. That's a good thing. Veteran leadership matters. All right, I want to get this one last thing before we end the show because it's been a long time coming. Michael Pineda is back. So for Tuesday, he's making his long way to return after pitching really quite impressively in the second half last season for the twins. He got busted for a diuretic from all, all that we know. It was an honest mistake. Uh, he even got his suspension reduced from 80 to 60 games. So what can we expect from Michael Pineda Carm on Tuesday? Would you even <laughs> consider starting him against the white Sox after this long, 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 long layoff? If it was against, I think, any other team besides his own team or the White Sox, I would say stream him. You know, every other offense in the central, that central region isn't very good. But mm-hmm. I'm not starting him against the White Sox. I'm expecting, you know, a four, maybe a little under ERA, decent ratios, decent strikeouts. Um, that's kind of what he's been his whole uh, his whole career. He did have that strong second half, but overall, that's what he's been. Hmm. What about you, Mr. Doctor? I, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to start anybody against the White Sox, right? I mean, that's those are my guys. But um, I think Nieta is worth a, a speculative pick, I think, and and, and especially in in twelve team leagues, fifteen team leagues for sure. Um, I added him in a couple of places this weekend just because pitching has been so unpredictable and crazy this year. Uh, I, I agree with Carm's take on that. I mean, I, historically, he's an ERA around four. It's about a strikeout an inning. Um, whip usually one one five one one six. I mean, those are usable statistics. However, 
you know, he's going to make what four starts, five starts. So I don't expect anything to be super worked out. Although, you know, Baldelli said the other day that they expect him to be able to throw five innings. So, wow. We'll see. Right. I mean, he's had been prepping for this for a long time and he's been in the game for a minute. So I'm hoping that he's built up, but I, I would keep the expectations low. I think that would be the general consensus, but watch, he'll go out, throw six innings, you know, five hits, eight Ks. It's going to be hilarious. No way. Abreu is going to take him deep. Don't worry about it. Jose Abreu is a, is a man child right now, man. He's going crazy. <laughs> well, I did see Jesse Hahn strike him out and make him look like a little bitch uh, I will say that on Saturday. That did happen. That was real well, life. You know, and, and I know, I mean, you know, you're 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 drinking the Jesse Hahn Kool-Aid over there. I know. I, I mean, am. I'm obsessed to- with Jesse Hahn. I have a sick obsession with Jesse Hahn. All right, let's ask, let's ask, let's ask Carm who's gonna close in Kansas City once and for all. Say, Carm, whatever Carm says wins. Stalmont, baby. Ah, I would love down to see you, that. Down you go, go VA. Down you go. I was Mike Matheny. Mike that's Matheny. all I'm say, so. Oh my God. We'll leave it at that. But Carm, I I, I love Stillman. I'm with you. Uh, I'm kidding as, you. As we close up the shop here, we'd like to thank Carm and Mike for joining us on today's show. This has been RotoFanatic.com's morning relay, your daily breakdown of the fantasy baseball realm. Don't forget to go to RotoFanatic.com. Check out our great articles. We got good stuff. We got Mike's closing remarks out now, and we got GPS report. It's Tuesday. Paul Bomino will help you out with the stuff ERA leaders. I'm telling you, his stuff ERA is fascinating. This will help you in identifying starting pitchers that are worth your time. As yeah. we exit out, guys, uh, you can tell me one thing you're looking forward to on Tuesday and tell people where they can find you. Mr. Doctor, why don't you start off? You can find me on Twitter at, M- at MDRC0508. I, again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm a school principal, but I, the, the joke is running well and I love it. Um, the one thing I, I want to say is uh, I love working with these guys at Roto Fanatic. There are genius level people doing these things. Uh, Mike, you're amazing. Carm, you do incredible work. And Paul and Nathan are just uh, outstanding. So it's it's really really fun to work with you guys. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the to the Sox and Twins continuation of the series, and also the Yankees and the Rays. As I said yesterday, um, I, I didn't know Glasnow was going to pitch as well as he did, but I'm really looking forward to those high octane type of series uh, as we move into the last month of the season. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's it's been a blast so far in my time with Roto Fanatic. You guys can find me at Carms Clubhouse on Twitter, um, as well as the website CarmsClubhouse.com. Um, one DFS play for tomorrow is start Brandon Belt against John Gray at Coors over twenty four at bats. Belt um Belt has a triple slash of four seventeen five hundred eight thirty three, so not too bad. Um, and in terms of one real life thing, I'm looking um. Looking forward to, um, I'm taking bets on the over-under of Javi Baez striking out three times against Chad Cool tomorrow. Mm. Ooh, interesting. All right. Mm. That's well, that, it. That, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll take the over. Uh, even though Chad Cool is not great, I was hoping Chad Cool get traded to the Blue Jays, but it did not happen. He is still in Pittsburgh. All right. Well, thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Morning Relay. Rotofanatics.com's daily breakdown of fantasy baseball. We'll be back on Wednesday, and we'll talk about everything that happened on Tuesday. Tuesday.